in the world is Mark? Where is Mark sitting right now, geographically? Yeah, so today I'm in London, uh, in my apartment in North London. I've just got back from five weeks in the U.S., um, and I'm traveling a lot at the moment. So uh, I think I, on the on the way back to London, I kind of have done 18 flights so far this year. So I'm really, really going for a new PB, uh, and I'm back in New York in a few weeks. But today you've got me in London. All right. Well, I want to talk about the flights. Do you think you can hit 36 by end of year? I mean, you're halfway through the year. You're at 18. Yeah, last year I did 33, and I said this year I really want to beat that. So, yeah, the goal is 36 flights. Um, but actually, I was at one of the recruitment conferences a couple of weeks ago, and I met some of the team from American Airlines, and they trumped me when it comes to flights. They were averaging, like, two a week or something. Some of them were free figures for the year. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to be doing that. But 36, I think I've got. Look, I love the American Airlines people. I truly, truly do. But I mean, are, is, are these work trips that you're talking about with them or are these the kind of the benefit trips that they, they kind of get to go on? So they were saying that on a Friday, so benefit trips on a Friday, they go to an airport and then they spin the bottle and whatever the bottle chooses is where they're going for that weekend. And then they'll just be on like the final call list to be able to get free flights wherever they go. This was the TA team at American Airlines. I won't name and shame. Um, but this was the TA team at American Airlines. So uh, they certainly enjoy that benefit. The TA, the TA team at American Airlines. Well, I, I, we have to get to the bottom of this. The TA team at American Airlines plays spin the bottle for travel uh, in an airport and then just off they go for their own time. That's what they do. Yeah. Now, for work, they claim they do a lot of travel to go to like university fairs and career fairs and all of that. But yeah. they, uh, they leverage the free flights on a weekend by, uh, by playing spin the bottle for my weekend getaway. And they, they had some crazy stories. They had stories about like flying into New York to watch a concert and then flying back the same day. So I don't want to say too much because they're going to suddenly get hounded for climate change <laughs> issues here. Um, but, but yeah, it's a great benefit. It's a great perk. Oh my gosh. That is a great bet. I don't think, so I'm a million miler. Most of those accrued in the last, well, none in the last three years, right? But prior when we used to travel all the time in like a, a five, five year window. So there was a period of time I was doing a tremendous amount of flying, uh, and predominantly, and the employer I had at the time, Pe- um, PepsiCo, American Airlines was the preferred airline. So I just have a ton of airlines with it, but I also have other airlines that I love. But like all my miles keep me predominantly, you know, I'm like, well, here, okay, here's two, here's 20,000 miles. So I, you know, I have to pay, but those are starting to run down. So I either need to get my American Airlines travel back up or it's time to start, you know, working on my other mileage programs. Yeah. It's funny how you do that. So I've committed to British Airways, BA, and now they've just locked me in because I've got my points with them. I'm locked in on them. I'm on their like gold plan. So. You know, you get the lounges and all of that stuff. So um, the points programs in, in airlines are real. And what I was joking about at the event was I need to choose my U.S. airline because obviously BA doesn't fly into U.S. So uh-huh. do you do American, do you do Delta, or do you do United were the three big ones that people were saying. So uh, oh, yeah. So that's my next decision when it comes to flying. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to figure it out. I don't know that the big airlines, I have a bad thing to say about any of them. I'm not crazy about the boarding process with Southwest Airlines, but I love the experience of flying Southwest Airlines. But I don't have a bad word to say. So it's tough for me. And Southwest used to be my 
my airline of choice because, and this might be a little embarrassing, um, the free drink coupons. Like if you gave me a free drink coupon, I would almost just fly anywhere you told me to go. At, at, not today. Now I need a little better than the, the free wine and beer on a plane, but yeah. Well, yeah, the Bloody Mary on a plane is pretty iconic, so ooh. I can I can understand why. Ooh, I've I've Ajina just thinking about a plain plain level Bloody Mary. Uh, well, Mark, we're gonna we're gonna we're not talking about airlines today. Uh, we're talk we're talking about AI. You, are you ready to jump in? Are you ready to get started? Yeah, let's do this. All right, here we go. Welcome to the CXR Channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. All right. This is this is just one of those days, and I can already tell with with Mark. Uh, this is going to be one of those days where you just love what you do, and this is, it's going to be a fun uh, fun twenty thirty minutes or so to sort of talk about it. So, welcome to the Recruiting Community Podcast. I'm excited to have you back. If you're a first time listener, I don't know what to tell you. Buckle up. Uh, if if you have been here before, you know you can crank the speed on your treadmill, add a couple of more flights on your stairmaster, or turn that knob down there at the bottom if you're on your Peloton. Uh, we're not going to be here very long, so you're, you are going to enjoy the ride. Uh, usually we will do these weekly and we'll do them live. This one's a little bit pre-recorded. I guess it's pre-recorded. It wouldn't be a little bit. It's totally pre-recorded. Uh, but it's going to come out a little bit early because I think Mark and I are out and, and doing some more traveling next week. Uh, so, but it, it'll be great for you to dial in. There, if there is a chat window uh, to the right, because we do, we do uh, run the stream out on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, YouTube. I think there's a couple of others. Uh, you can put a question in there and we'll follow up with you. So if you got a question for Mark, you've got one for myself when this airs out on LinkedIn, drop it in there. Uh, and if you're so inclined, uh, and if you're on the move, if you're in transition, I want to encourage you to go ahead and drop in your LinkedIn profile. Great opportunity to do a little bit of networking, a little bit of exposure for yourself. I will do one plug, uh, before we bring, uh, Mark back in. Uh, I want to remind everybody, TA Talk Tank. Dot com uh, is live. We've got over 70 leaders in there and folks looking to be mentors. Uh, I'll put a link up on the screen if you're watching this uh, that are going to actually uh, mentor uh, or be mentored or both. Uh, you can do that when you sign up on there. It is totally free. The CXR Foundation put that together as a passion project to help TA folks in our space at all levels. Uh, there are some tremendous folks in there. We've had some tremendous partnerships and relationships built around that platform. Real Links is the platform it's actually built on. Sam Davies uh, donated that and the time uh, that, that it takes to sort of put that piece together and stand it up. But we've had several people uh, that have leaned all the way in to get that off the ground. So if you or someone that you know is looking to have sort of one of those conversations that just matter, uh, it's like a rapid fire mentor program we've put together. It's not a big formal program. It's the connection that takes place and the spirit behind it. If I'm being really candid, if you, if you've ever sat and had a conversation with someone that gave you an aha moment that made you just sort of rethink the direction you were moving in, not, not necessarily your career, but maybe some work or even at a project level, this is what we're going after. Uh, and we've kept it super simple. It's TATalkTank.com. Again, it's free. I highly encourage you to check it out. Now, in that same vein, I'm going to tell you, we don't have sponsors. You don't pay to be on the show. This is a labor of love. This is my time cut out to give to you. These are our guests cutting time out for them to come in here and talk about their expertise. 
so if you've got uh, somebody on this show you're listening to, it's because we think they have something cool to say that's worth being heard. They didn't pay to be here. So we're super excited uh, to bring in today. I'm just going to stop talking and go ahead and bring him in. Uh, Mark, there he is. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. It's awesome to be here, man. Really appreciate it. Good to, good to have you. You thought maybe I was going to talk the whole 20 minutes by myself. I, understand. <laughs> I could do that. There was, a, there was a moment there. There was a moment. 100% I could do it all by myself if I needed to. Uh, Mark, for those who haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, why don't, why don't you kind of fill us in? Who, who is Mark? What does he do? Give us the escalator pitch. Mark, why do we care to listen to you? What do you why should we be paying attention to what you have to say today? Yeah, well, I'll try my hardest, and let's see if someone sticks around for the next uh, 60 seconds to listen. So, yeah, so my name's Mark. I'm the co-founder and CEO at HackerJob. Um, I've spent the last eight, almost nine years of my life now uh, working on HackerJob um, with an amazing co-founder and awesome team, um, which basically means I've spent every waking moment of my uh, 20s thinking about technical recruitment and tech hiring. Uh, so at this point, I feel like I've got, um, yeah, some, some interesting views, but always more interestingly, we sit on a ton of data. Um, and I'm always interested in sharing that data and using that data to, to spark a conversation, um, or to inform a conversation. Um, so yeah, that's a, a little bit about me, uh, my background and, and hopefully some of the insight I'll be able to, to share with today. All right. So I love that, Mark. So and for those who may not know, uh, and I know we don't bring anybody in to pitch any product, but I I do think it should be clear. uh, Why don't don't you tell the the listeners and the watchers what what is Hackajob? What does Hackajob do? Yeah, absolutely. So we've effectively built a suite of software products that help predominantly enterprise companies scale their technology teams. So we've got a two sided marketplace product uh, where we actually flip the process. So rather than candidates applying to jobs, companies actually apply to the engineer, which creates this really magical candidate experience, like completely solves the spam problem for engineers, okay. which then in turn creates really engaged talent pool, which is amazing for internal recruiters that get like an 85% reply rate. Um, and then we've got a technical assessment product, uh, an employer brand product, and it's all underpinned with some really powerful uh, insight platform um, that looks at a lot of uh, DEI data as well. So, um, predominantly focused on on helping companies scale tech teams. UK uh, HQ, but have just launched in the US uh, about about nine months ago now, hence why I'm spending a lot more of my time stateside, which is a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so, so you're in that tech space. So you're having a lot of the same conversations I think a lot of leaders are having, a lot of vendors are having in this space around AI and generative AI. Uh, and I think uh, just recently we saw um, the guy that nobody likes, his name rhymes with Shmilan Schmusk, uh, talking about how it's just so terrible and the sky is falling if we let it get out of control. It doesn't have anything to do with the fact that he wasn't allowed to lead that effort. But the point being, like, everyone's talking about uh, AI is going to take all the jobs. And and there is a little bit of scuttlebutt in the recruiting industry that says recruiters' jobs are done. They're just donezo. Like, that's it. Here come here come the machines. They're going to take our jobs. But, Mark, you you have a little bit of a different opinion on that. Yeah, so and I've long held this view because the the latest AI wave is very exciting and captured the imagination of the public, probably more than I've seen any product do in, in my career in the last 10 years. But there's been a lot of advancement in AI over the last eight years since we've been working on HackerJob and, and we've leveraged it for a long time. And the mantra I've always had is until it's AI hiring AI, which at the rate of development could well happen in our careers, 
um, humans are going to be essential in the hiring process. And especially in the, opera- in the field that we operate in, which is, you know, senior technical hiring, these are very hard to fill roles. And I think sometimes, you know, us TA professionals that live, breathe, talent acquisition, recruitment, can forget that actually changing jobs is a really big deal for people. Mm-hmm. You know, we spend a, a significant amount of our time at work. Um, and, you know, if you're in permanent employment, maybe you're only changing jobs every two or three years. Um, and therefore, if I'm a you know senior software engineer, a senior data scientist, and I'm taking the, the decision that I'm actually going to start looking for a new job or exploring opportunities, yeah. having a human at the other side of that phone, being able to guide me through the process, which I think is what elite internal recruiters do, coach me through the process, you know, sell me on the opportunity and ultimately try and close me on it at the end, I think is an essential part uh, of delivering an exceptional candidate experience. So I think there's a ton of things that AI are going to, uh, improve in the hiring process and, and I think make the recruiter's job different, but I don't think it's going to replace them entirely. So, I mean, I'm loving this. So we're talking about, and, and I love the fact, Mark, you did a little play there. It was subtle. You're keeping the human and human resources, right? That's the, the line. It's an old line, but I think, I think the mantra sort of holds. Um, I am curious if AI is hiring AI, are they going to put pay, like pay ranges within the AI postings? Are they, is there going to be fair, fair compensation and no bias? Will they, like, will, will AI be bias of other AI? Too soon? Uh, I, I think that, um, okay, let's follow through the logic, right? Cause I'm sure we're going to okay. talk about bias here. So, what matters is the, the data set that you're training these models on, which is inherently biased. And we'll get to, I'm sure, whether AI should take decisions in the hiring process, which I'd be terrified of if I was an employer. Of well, there's right law, now. there are laws now, right, that have come out uh, and we're seeing more of the EU just had a tremendous amount right in your backyard. We've had one state that did such a shitty job that has delivered a version, sort of a version of that that I think they went through like seven iterations. So there is some of that already happening. Yeah, totally. And and look, I think that AI can be fantastic in identifying talent that potentially you would have missed, right? So something that we're thinking a lot about is skill taxonomies and how you think about relationships between different skills. And there's a lot of models that you can build off the back of that that is really interesting, which when you then layer in, you know, the challenge of DE&I, which is often about increasing top of funnel, you know, there's some really interesting ways it can do that. Where I'd be really skeptical or quite frankly, scared as an employer is if I'm using AI to take the final hiring decision when there have been some horror stories, both in our field um, with one of the very, very big tech companies who, uh, I won't say who, but... Um, uh, yeah, who do they sure rhyme with? The you want to tell us who they rhyme with? Can you... Yeah, Shamazon sh- 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 or something like that. There given you go. Your, okay. your no one will version. get that. Um, you know, they, they, you know, had an example where, you know, they were using AI to take hiring decisions and ended up being very biased and they had to reverse a lot of that. Um, and there's, there's other examples. So I think there's some really interesting applications of AI um, in actually time identification and pipelining and all of that. But I'd be very anxious about using AI to take final hiring decisions. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, some will argue that AI is, could eliminate the bias, right, in hiring by making it by making it purely data-driven, which I think is what you're kind of saying. But but others are warning, to your point, that AI can also sort of perpetuate uh, or maybe even blow out, maybe even amplify existing biases. Now, do you have thoughts a little more specifically on how AI might impact um, a bias in hiring and how it could be used responsibly to maybe mitigate that risk? Yeah, so I think it ultimately comes down to who is taking the final hiring decision, 
if it's a human taking the hiring decision, we are inherently biased creatures and therefore we need to be incredibly mindful of that and go through all of the right training and rigor and all of that that, that we're very aware of in our space. Um, I think where the, the risk in AI is, if you're using it to recommend candidates, to take decisions on candidates, and your AI model that you're using is trained on a biased data set. So let's just say, for example, in the world of technology, we know that gender representation is very poor. I think the last survey I read, there's like 9% of software engineers globally are female. Um, therefore, the, the, if you're going to train a model on that data set, it is inherently going to be skewed to characteristics of people that are rep represented in that data set, which in this instance would be 91% male. So therefore, if we do a better job of creating more female software engineers over the next five, 10 years, but you're using a model that was trained on a data set that was 91% male, it is going to be biased to those females entering, you know, that talent pool. So I think that's where we need to be very, very mindful. Is all of this AI innovation, all of the LLMs that are being built fundamentally come back to the training data set that these models are being built on. Right. And that's where companies really need to understand the vendors they're using or if they're building it in-house, you know, how they think about that data set, if they're using it to take decisions. Well, I mean, it's just, all, all it's doing is is recruiting or, or in, in a more generic sense, uh, making decisions based on how you've taught it to make decisions. So if, if you're using examples that are even... Um, you know, this level of bias that you're not even aware of, you're still incorporating it into that machine learning, yeah? Totally. And by the yeah. way, all these LLMs are trying to replicate the human brain. And by the way, as, as internal recruiters, oh, my screen's gone black. This is great because this is live. Um, <laughs> I still there see we go. I don't know, live. I still I don't see know what happened there. My screen just went black. But okay, the machines are, are coming, but Mark. They hear you and the machines are coming. <laughs> That's it. Bill Gates is not happy with something that I just said. Uh, I'm joking, Bill. I'm a big fan. Um, so, yeah, like these LLMs are trying to replicate the human brain and a lot of like the, the way it's structured, etc. But if you think about an internal recruiter and how we screen CVs, we're also inherently biased. You know, we've got pattern recognition that we follow. We look at company logos that we know, universities or colleges that we know. So bias is a big problem, whether you're using humans or machines in this process. Like I said, I'm really excited about where you can use machines in the process to identify talent that the human would not be able to process that level of data to identify in the first place. Yeah. And that, that's where I'm excited. Well, it's a volume game, too, I think, also, right? It's a headcount and numbers game. But So let's pivot on what you just said in regards to that that uh, that EQ, if you will. So so I think as AI becomes more advanced, right, it gets better. It, it is becoming more capable of understanding and evaluating human traits, like, to your point, uh, creativity or uh, emotional intelligence or maybe, maybe even leadership potential. So... Mark, how, how do you see those developments, right, that evolution affecting the role of real-life flesh-and-blood recruiters that, that are running that hiring process? So I think for the, this space is evolving very quickly, so this could be all redundant in six months' time. But I think from what you see today, I think every knowledge worker will have a co-pilot. And that co-pilot is going to be one of these LLMs that are trained on different data sets that when you're interviewing a candidate in real time might prompt you to say, hang on, you should dig into that question a little bit more deeper. Or, you know, 
I've uh, listened to this whole interview and this is my conclusion. How does it vary versus your conclusion? And when we're sourcing talent, it's going to be the same. And when we're scheduling interviews, it's going to be the same. And I think every knowledge worker is going to have one of these co-pilots, personal assistants, whatever you want to call, that will fundamentally make them so much more effective at the job. So I believe that a team enabled of the right technology in the TA world might manage three or five times the volume of requisitions that their, their previous team did because of this efficiency they can get from a, a co-pilot style model. Yeah, I do think, and you mentioned of Bill Gates earlier, I think we were talking about this earlier in the green room. I do think it was Bill Gates who had said recently that the, the first, the first company to nail the assistant, the personal assistant aspect of it, and I, I don't remember where he said it, but, uh, was going to be the one to win. That, that was going to be the, that was going to be the organization that sort of wins the AI race. So a lot of this is not my idea. So I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts this weekend, which is called The All In Show, which is like four, four VCs discussing this. And, and they're having this exact debate. Um, and obviously the, the likes of ChatGPT, Bards, um, I think Mustafa from DeepMind's trying to build one. They are going through the super assistant. Like that is going to be your all in one. Anything that you want, you just pull up that and it sorts it out. And the debate they were having is, is it going to be a super assistant or is it going to be very specific vertical assistants? And actually, you flip the model completely. And uh, David Freeberg, one of the, the hosts of the podcast, gave this example where the human becomes the node on the network. And then we dip into the network when we want to use our different vertical assistants. Because ultimately, do we really want to give up all of our data to one of these super assistants? Like, we've seen what happened on social media. Do we want to keep giving away data? Or instead, am I going to have a vertical assistant for travel? You know, that, you know, when I need to travel, I'm going to go to that assistant. And then for recruitment, when I'm doing my recruitment job, maybe we're going to go to that assistant versus, you know, something else. Now, there's going to be obviously lots of debates on both sides, but I think that's going to be really interesting to see. It's the verticalization versus the super assistant. So I'm laughing, Mark, and I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because, so this is kind of an interesting. So he, so European saying, eh, do we really want to give them all of our data? And then over here, you have the <laughs> Americans and I'm like, shut up and take my data. Like get, make, make my job easier. <laughs> so I think, but I do think was, I've so. grown up in a GDPR world, Chris. What can I say? I'm haunted by it at this point. I'm haunted by it. Oh, I think, well, it's tough. I mean, it is an interesting, sort of interesting place to be. Um, and I guess, I, I mean, I, it's such a lazy response, but I guess where, where do we land? Like we'll see. Like this, no, I, I think, yes, I think we're so early in this and, you know, it's evolving so quickly. Um, like I said, it's really captured the imagination. We're actually running an AI hackathon this weekend with a, a business in the UK called Mindstone because it's so exciting. Like, we just want to see, you know, what are the different things that people are going to build in a weekend? It's not recruitment focus. It's just interesting right now. So um, if I had to bet, I... The super assistant is a bit like the, the Jarvis Iron Man North Star where we want to get to, right? Like we get yeah. to this like general AI uh, that is so good. I think we're probably going to go through quite a lot of iterations to get there. And I wouldn't be surprised in the meantime if the vertical players end up doing really well. And the vertical players are all going to be data. Um, they're going to be the ones that have got the best data set. Like the ideas and the travel examples are probably the best examples right now of the booking.coms and the Expedias, et cetera, which are all fundamentally powered from a data source. Like they don't own mm-hmm. the data. They provide a really great UI layer on top. And actually is all the value going to go down to the data layer to provide these really great vertical assistants. So if I had to be a betting person, I would gamble that 
over the next 12, 24, 36 months, we're going to see very, very good vertical assistance, whilst the likes of ChatGPT, Google Bard, et cetera, keep going for the super assistant. Yeah, and you raise a, you raise a really interesting point about the beta, uh, excuse me, the, the data too, because uh, some of the vendors that I've spoken to who've got these new GPT solutions, right? And I'm not talking about all the ones at the events who say, we're the first ever to have chat GPT baked in. We exclusively can do this with AI. I'm talking about folks who are trying to build something out like an assistant or like a, like a recruiting AI solution. Um, the ones I've spoken to have their own uh, servers of data that, that they have scraped and they've pulled in. But that is a tremendous, tremendous thing to to store and and collect and update, especially when you're talking about being useful to recruiters, because we we need all the data. We need all the people's data and it has to be current. And by the way, I've got a million people in my ATS. I need their data, too, and it needs to be updated, please. Can you make that updated for me also? So it will be really interesting, at least from my perspective, to see who who wins that? Because is it, Mark, is it a race of data? Not necessarily the evolution of AI, but the race of being able to serve that data up. Well, have it, have I think, it, scrape it, have it, answer it. The first winner of this is the chip makers because they're the ones that are setting the chips, the GPUs that are training all these models. So if you were an NVIDIA shareholder at the start this year, congratulations. Oh, you're oh incredibly through the well. roof. Through the roof. Um, One little so, announcement and then NVIDIA goes through the roof. Right, so they're the winners right now. I think that the... The trend is that these large language models are getting smaller and smaller and smaller in like memory size and therefore be able to be trained in more cost effective ways than they have done before. I'm interested in like the concept of like whether it's vertical language models or small language models that are using very specific in our instance recruitment data to then train their models and make recommendations. I'm certain, and look, we're very excited about the data that we've got because we've generated a lot of first-party data over the last eight years, that somebody is going to do something really exciting in our space by using first-party data. Um, to build a really great recommendation engine. Um, and I think that's what's going to be the unlock. That, and I think the other innovation that's happened is that the UI layer, you know, one of the magical experiences with one of these assistants, bar GPT, et cetera, is the interaction. We've turned the UX of the internet into a dialogue with a computer and it makes sense. Like, how long, Chris, have we been talking about chatbots in recruitment? You know, and it's just yeah. been terrible. They've just been terrible. But now we can actually have a dialogue with a computer. So I think there's a UI innovation at the dialogue level. And then I think the, the data sets are going to be what's really interesting to see what ends up getting built in this space. So I'm going to throw a little bit of a curveball at you because it's only slightly rated. I've, all, I've always had a theory that two things have really driven the evolution on online, right? Like from the internet standpoint, and, and maybe it's a little bit different now, but over the last number of decades, it's been pornography, right? And video games. Uh, from how packets get handled online, it, internet streams, packets, for anybody who's listening, kids at home, right? The speed of the internet, the usability, right? The, the UX of, of the website and how things get managed and how you download and how that, like, the priority has driven evolution in that space. On the video game front, so I'm not touching the porn front, but on the video game front, I saw a video the other day. There's plenty of AI on, on the other side, but we're going to stick in the video game piece for this, uh, Mark. Uh, I watched a short video where uh, the player rolls up to an, to a, uh, an NPC, right? So non non playing character. So this is an in game character, not a real person on the other end, and asks a question unrelated to the the quest or the mission that they're on, and has just a conversation, an AI driven conversation with this character. Doesn't have anything to do with the game. That dynamic, I think 
this AI revolution that we're seeing will have ripples that we can't even begin to predict in the space everywhere. And I think that that saying, when it, the, the aha moment I had was like, wow, I could sit for 45 minutes and have a conversation with this guy and his, his, you know, waffle stand in this video game and go nowhere, just burn time all day and still have a great time. The aha moment is, oh my God, there's, there's got to be 50 things we haven't even imagined in the TA space that are coming with this AI innovation. So, yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and, and I think this is why it's so exciting. You know, like, you know, I've been doing this for eight years and I'm like, wow, I'm more energized than I ever have been and challenging our product teams more than I ever have done because I'm like, yeah, maybe we should fundamentally reimagine what sourcing could look like, what interaction could look like, what interviewing could look like. And, you know, to, to go between the video games and pornography, that interaction in the video game is so good. I'm terrified for what's going to happen with like dating. Are people just going to end up having like AI husbands and AI wives mm-hmm. and they never need to get out into the real world and date again because these interactions are so good. They're so human. Um, it's going to be really interesting. My aha moment was when I was at uh, one of the conferences I was at last week and, um, and the person was talking about, um, some of the, the prompts that are getting created for video and, um, I don't know why my laptop keeps closing downstairs. Apologies. Uh, it's because it's live and you said it's not going to be edited. And I know that it's just my computer having fun with me. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you know, what's getting created in the AI images and the AI video. And, uh, and what triggered in my mind was how often do you sit in front of Netflix and scroll for 15, 20, 25 minutes trying to find something to watch? Mm-hmm. And actually, we could get to a point where content is created on a one-to-one basis. And I could be like, I want to watch a movie like Moneyball, but make it about football or soccer, as you guys call it. And I want Man United to feature and I want us to end up winning at the end. Right. And it might just create me a one on one movie like that. And it's like, wow, now you've just completely reimagined Hollywood and what it means to be a movie producer or a video artist or whatever. So I'm with you, man. I think it's going to be incredibly, incredibly exciting to see what gets built over the coming months and years. Yeah, I think, I think you're a hundred percent. I think you're spot on. The innovation's going. By the way, I call it football now. I just finished season three of Ted Lasso. It's football. I get it. I'm on board. I'm all on board. Uh, but I think you're a hundred percent right with the AI. We can't even imagine how it will change sourcing, how it will change interviewing, how it will change who we interview. And I think Mark, I even read something the other day that there are thousands of people on a wait list for an AI girlfriend. No AI boyfriends, which is kind of odd, but an AI girlfriend. So, I mean, this changes, this changes everything as we go forward. So I think it's so important to get legislature on board to get, we mentioned full, full circle, right? We come all the way back. We, we talk about, you know, there are legislatures or there, there are government officials making laws about AI who can't even operate their own phones efficiently. So we're in a weird place. We're in kind of a scary place, but at the same time, like, man, I'm excited. I'm kind of pumped for what this means. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the regulation is going to be important. The UK have just done something surprisingly well. Uh, they've just appointed one of the best tech entrepreneurs of the last decade to run the AI task force here, um, which every now and then I'm like, wow, we maybe do know what we're doing in this country occasionally, possibly. Um, so, so that was awesome. Um, but you're right that we need sensible um, governance. We need sensible legislation, but it needs to be designed by people that deeply understand this space and don't have the wrong incentives. Because if you let big tech regulate this, well, they're going to put up so many hurdles that no new entrants can come in. So we've got to be very, very mindful of that. Um, but we've got to find the right regulation and the right controls because as excited as we are, Chris, there's also going to be some horror stories in our world mm-hmm. about how AI, how AI is used over the coming months and years, for sure. 
Um, so, you know, I think that taking that, you know, slightly cautious approach is going to be important for, for end customers and companies. Yeah, I think you're 100%. Mark, uh, look, we asked this of all the guests that we actually enjoy having on. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and ask you, if you were going to write a book today, my man, what would the title of that book be? Yeah, Dan, this is a, this is a hard question for a guy that hasn't done a load of podcasts and it feels like a very podcast question. So there's two that came to mind. So I, I'm a gut instinct with this, this sort of, this sort Do of it. question. So the first one that comes to mind is obsessive by nature. Okay. Provocative. Because I'm a very, very obsessive person. Like when I get into something, I'm all in. So like, Hacker job and tech recruitment, red wine and Man United is basically my life. Like that is the things I'm obsessive about. So that is the first thing that came to mind. I love your team uh, in specific. Your, your red wine, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> some Napa Valley Cab Savs will take, some Italian Borono will take. Yeah, we'll mix it up. Um, uh, the, I don't know what the book would be about. You just asked for the title. So there's the title. The second one that came to mind was Relentless. That's my favorite word is Relentless. So again, I have no idea what the book could be about, but that would be my title. I love it. Well, look, present company excluded. Uh, Mark, who gets the first signed copy? Ooh. Sir Alex Ferguson, the greatest sports coach of all time. Uh, so he's Man United's like iconic manager. Managed us for over 30 years, won everything there is to win, the best sports coach of all time, better than any of your NFL legends or anything like that. So first signed copy is going to Sir Alex Ferguson. I love it. I love it. Mark, I want to thank you so much. You're a busy, busy guy. I want to thank you for dialing in, uh, giving us your time. Much, much gratitude, my man. Chris, thank you so much, dude. This has been a, a lot of fun, man. appreciate it. This is fun. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to put you in the green room. Just hang out. Hang out for me, will you? All right. There he goes. Thanks so much. All right. Mark Chaffee. Look, uh, really quickly, just a reminder, I'll even put it up on the screen, cxr.org slash events. So we got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, we went back to live meetings, in-person meetings this year. We've got over a 100 virtual meetings that are taking place. We've got monthly lectures that are going on at CXR. Uh, super excited about those. We got some coming up. We just uh, just did one on uh, culture in the workplace. If you're a CXR member, you can go ahead and get in and watch those uh, back a full year. I think we're at we're at now almost two years uh, of these monthly lectures. They are phenomenal. Uh, so check out past events. You can check out all that stuff in the library. You can also check out CXR.works slash events, and you can see what's going on within your community. With that, I'm going to let everybody go. Have a fantastic week. Watch out for the robots. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads, and on Instagram at career xroads. We'll catch you next time.